0: Is
1: the bloody disgusting
0: podcast network? Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me we have David, Spoopy Boys, always and forever, also known as Nightly. On the other end, there we got Freddy. Spoopy time. Ooh. It's always and forever oh, as well. Yeah. Also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash Life, And that's like with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon you have access to the show at free and as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, keeping things going with our toxic relationship month and I think this one's like hitting real close to uh Valentine's Day if I'm not mistaken. So, this should be fun. <laughs> this should be fun, but uh we are talking about karen Kasama's the imitation now we've covered her film before we are one of her films and i'm very excited to talk about this particular one because it is an entirely different vibe from oh, jennifer's yeah. body <laughs> so very different. very different vibe from jennifer's body but first and foremost guys
1: thoughts David? take away oh me first oh no okay Ooh, you first so it's kind of funny. I And a few of you guys know, too, because a couple of weeks back, maybe last month, I put something on Twitter that I was currently watching this movie. And everyone was jumping on. It's like, oh, it's so good. This is my top 10 movie. Uh, you're going to love it. And I was like, oh, oh man, stakes oh are high. Oh, yeah, and I was watching. And I was like, oh, this is a very slow-paced movie. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then the third act happens. And I'm like, oh, Okay, I see where this was all building up and the character development was well worth the wait because this movie is fantastic. Um, I have to say, all of these characters are... um, I think I said it earlier in the other episode, is that I love movies that have characters that are well detailed or they have a lot of personality to them. And all of these characters do have their personalities shine through the screen. And I gotta say, all of them are pretty lovable. And of course... The movie does a really good job of saying, beware of these two and that one girl and the other dude. Because, yeah, they're a little bit off. They're a little bit awkward. There's something off about them. And this whole entire movie is just like a thrill ride of like, okay, what's going to happen? Is he right about being so suspicious or is he wrong? And they're just normal people. And maybe Mm -hmm. something he's going to do is going to be the outcome of this movie. And it was kind of cool trying to uh, figure it all out, I guess. But yeah, no, I have to say I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think you had a reference when we did one br about this movie, and now I get the <laughs> reference. This is the movie you were talking about, and yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that that you are absolutely correct. Yes, this was the film that I was talking about. I didn't mention the film, right? I didn't mention it, uh, but this was the film that I was talking about. Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much blatantly the same at the end of these films but um with that being said i'm right there with you i but i love slow pace shit i actually think this was slightly not slow not too slow i don't think it was like methodically slow but i i do think it's interesting how the placement is but i'm curious on what david thought about this film
2: yeah i really appreciate this film i'm actually not usually a fan of slow burn films yeah Uh, But the pacing on this one is um, really on top of it, right? Um, I actually had thoughts before the final act of this film that I appreciate this film because it grounds the reality of being in a situation where you feel like you could be faced with a cult, right? Right. And um, how do you react when you're instinct is telling you something is wrong and you question if paranoia is blinding you. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's very fascinating that, um, even before the film ended, I appreciated that notion that like, this is showing a a perspective of it being grounded in reality. And, and I thought that was very fascinating, but of course it kind of takes it to the next level when you do get to the final act and, um, what happens happens and I can't wait for us to get into it. But, (laughs) um, It's great because, you know, the film suggests to you that something's wrong. It plays with your instincts of wondering, like, is this a bad scenario? Because there's so many red flags, right? But you also question, are you just as paranoid as our protagonist here? Right. Uh, And for right reasons. Like, we don't really go off the the notion that he may be, you know, off in his suspicions. But... (laughs) I think it's very satisfying when you get to the end point and something is up, and you're like, "Oh, damn! Something was going on the whole time." And it's it's not hard to catch, but it's right. it's that sense of satisf- satisfaction of like knowing that like our main character will was correct, yeah, the whole time, right? Right. But I, I again, the slow burn I think is really well paced, uh, and ultimately, I really appreciate it because I feel like people can really ground themselves in this situation versus a cult. It's not mm. too overplayed right So I really appreciate it for that
0: yeah and I actually like like the fact that this movie starts out slower um, mm. and and like I said like I don't think this movie is insanely like slow to the point of where we get to the outcome. Um, I do think that it has this beautiful, just way to make it f- seem like Will is the bad guy. And yeah. he's not great. I'm not gonna lie, like he's not great, but he's you know, he's still grieving and things like that um from the, from his loss and um and it's weird like seeing your ex-wife, you know, and I, I don't know how I would react if I saw Kathleen, if we weren't together anymore after two years and we lost a child or whatever um i, I don't know how it, I, I don't know how to act if, if i would even lose ellie in general but um but yeah that that whole concept is so interesting with this particular film in general and um and it's nothing wrong with slow burns either No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like slow burn is the appropriate term for when the movie is good. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. when you just say the movie's slow, then it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're just like, all right, this movie's real slow. Um, But. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued on what we think about this film altogether, so I'll, I'd say let's just jump into it so we can talk about these scenes and break this shit down, because I'm ready to get to the toxicity behind all this shit. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it. it's flags everywhere. But yeah. The Invitation, directed by Karen Kusama, released on March 13th of 2015 with a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes, a budget of $1 million. That is surprising actually and yeah. the, and i i'm curious to, to think if they actually shot this in los angeles and maybe the whole budget went to them shooting in la but who knows um box office of $354,000 and a rating of 89% on rotten tomatoes nice not bad not bad at all i think it's well deserved
2: i agree with that yeah, yeah.
0: i think it's very well deserved we open to our protagonist Will driving while his uh, while his girlfriend Kira is breaking his days by asking if him if he's okay. He apologizes Kira telling him that they could just go home, him saying that he'll be fine. She looks down at an invitation from David and Eden commenting on the thickness of the card. While suggest uh, Will suggests that they are possibly overcompensating since nobody has seen them in two years or seen her in two years. Kira questions that and Will starts talking about him seeing them at a grocery store once, how David and Eden met in a grief group while, Eden, while Will and Eden were still married. Will makes a comment about his divorce and they start having a disagreement until Will, Will slams on his brakes hitting an animal. Now, just real quick, it's interesting. We're starting to get a sense of like how Will's character is in this point in time, and um, granted, he's very standoffish towards Kira right in the beginning, and we see that right off the bat. And we get it a lot when they're at the party, where when he leaves her alone with his friends, like she doesn't really know them, and it's 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 a very interesting, I guess, con, context that he beholds holds on to Kira, and I think I'm not gonna lie. I think a lot of the toxicity actually comes from Will. I'm, I'm just gonna say that now, and I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the post show. But oh, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna state that right now. I agree. Will gets out of the car to check on the animal and the uh, the coyote whimpering and bleeding. Will takes the tire iron out of the trunk, telling Kira to go back inside the car. She does, and he beats the coyote to death, taking it out of its misery. "Quote unquote," he moves it out of the road, gets back into the car, exerts the Lord's name, and they both sit for a moment before driving off. I just love the whole introductory of this film. I just, I think it's so perfect to uh for for both of them for us to both kind of understand our two protagonists here, right? And I have to they, say,
1: even with the opening shot, the camera is like outside of the car, and it's a blurry image of the main yeah. character and it kind of talks about or just like the camera itself is kind of like portraying the character as a out of focus person in a way right and then another the like cool imagery of this was the invitation too it's in all black and black usually means death in movies which is also like you're inviting me to go die essentially which mm-hmm. i i which thought was pretty that's, creative that's
0: what what that's that was the plan right <laughs> absolutely
1: so it's like oh there's there's a lot of cool like Film techniques that was used in the very beginning of the movie, and I was like, okay, at least this mm-hmm. is a well-directed movie. I can tell that off the bat. So I really enjoyed right. the opening scene. But of course, it's always hard for me to see an animal die. So I was like, oh no. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a bit. have to and do he, this? We're in. He took, gotcha. Took
0: him two strikes, right. two strikes, and it it was interesting because it's like it technically didn't have to be there. Sure, it's metaphorical, but it technically didn't have to be there.
2: Right. Yeah, speaking on that, I saw this scene and I wonder what is this going to connect to later on in the film, right? And I felt like I found that moment, but I felt like it was unnecessary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure we'll probably talk about it a little bit later. Yeah then title shot they pull up to david and eden's home a house that will once lived in kira and will hold hands as the gates open her commenting about him living there he tells her that eden comes for money and that this was never his cue the slow-mo as they trick through the house will looking into a room having a flashback of his son ty doing a puzzle on the floor his vo calling for ty letting him know that dinner is ready they come into the living room their old friends greeting them giving them hugs gina introduces herself to kira as another couple, Tommy and Miguel, compliment Kira on on the way she looks, and adding a joke of insults to Will and his beard. They move closer toward the other two folk, Claire and Ben. Claire gives Will a long hug, genuinely asking how he is. She then introduces himself, herself to Kira, hugging her. Ben jokes, reintroducing himself, reminding him about their business that uh, that didn't really thrive. Um, Will notices that their friend Choi isn't there yet, him asking about him. Gina mentions that he's late, adding that they uh, can't get good reception there either. And I love how they really hearken on this. In oh, this for film. sure. They really let you know, like, can't not get service. And they do this multiple times in this film just yeah. to let us know, like, phones are literally
2: useless right now. <laughs> so at first, I thought that was a little. Much. Cheesy, but then I realize it it's it's having a different intention than trying to only tell the audience there's no service up here, right? It's uh creating that gut feeling of something's wrong already. Right. And it kind of that feeling of isolation. To, exactly. It builds it up, it it is telling the viewer like something's up, you feel it in your in your gut because you know what happens when this scenario is presented, right. but uh it's just one of many, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. I found it very interesting too. It's like I started thinking about their past. It's like, oh, I mean, he used to live there. Did they always never have reception there? It's like, mm-hmm. did he know that was going to happen too? And it was just like <laughs> a weird thought in my head. I was like, huh, I wonder why they would live in a place like that. But well, He, like, d- he, he cool. does
0: mention it in the film yeah.
2: later on that he's like, it's just spotty. is right. where he you, says know what's, it. you know what's interesting? I think because of that area not having service is the reason why the ending – is the way it is. Right. And why they're all... In one location. Right. But we'll get to it.
0: Yeah. We'll ask Eden and she comes down the... Um, oh, excuse me. We'll ask about Eden and she comes down the stairs saying that she is there. She has a slight smile. Eden has... Uh, Eden with a complete smile. They hug. Them saying that they miss each other. Everyone else in the room are awkwardly quiet <laughs> for a moment. She continues commenting about the house being the same. Uh, or excuse me. He continues uh, commenting about the house being the same and that she is glad that he's here. She notices a speckle of blood on his face. She looks Licks her finger, uh, wipes it off while calling him a mess. She then notices Kira, introducing herself. Kira shaking her hand and giving her thanks for inviting her. Would your like current girlfriend be okay if your ex girlfriend would like do something that friendly towards you? No. I
2: felt uncomfortable watching it. I was yeah. like, Ooh, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be cool at any of this. I would this.
0: not be okay with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. But you know what I think is is important to emphasize here is that they, uh, have they history a kid together. Right. Well not it's any history, you know, is history, but I think what's important is they had a ch- child and they lost the child. That's and true. I feel like you are forever linked to with that person and, you know.
0: It's That's a, true. it's
2: a different kind of history. Right.
0: David enters the room, um, Eden reintroducing him to Will. He hugs Will, letting him know that he's happy that he's here. Will gives off some small talk, David letting him know that they should catch up, but they have uh, a lot to celebrate tonight. He then goes into, he then goes into, uh, greet Kira and surprises her with an embracing hug. Still uncomfortable, he asks the couple if they want anything to drink. Will letting him know that he's good, and Tommy buds in saying that they, that he good with the wine. He good with the wine. Um, Will doesn't understand. Gina mentioning that it is an expensive bottle of wine. Okay, David offers some to Will. He continues to deny. Cura accepting the adult beverage. Why is it that most of our films that I feel like we watch, our antagonist is always named David? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know it's funny when they mentioned his name i had the same thought You're like oh that, here, that's here we fucking go again yeah
0: <laughs> david goes Just up to the name. rest of the group of mentioning that everyone is here they groan that choy hasn't made it yet he says they uh, would have to start without him david continues going over how special they are they all are will looks down the hall spotting a bottom half naked girl staring back at him through the open door of a room she seductively goes back into her room while will is confused by the woman but he pays his attention back to david raising a toast the half-naked girl runs out of the room now in a dress shouting for david to save a glass for her she gives david a kiss on the cheek while eden introduces the group to sadie she greets everyone while will confusingly looks at her what the fuck
2: (laughs) right no i actually went back because i was like (laughs) wait it, she got no pants on right <laughs> and i wasn't sure
1: <laughs>
0: it's so awkward and it's so weird but um it, it, it it's a very uh, it's a very interesting scene and this is my second time watching this and i completely forgot about that
2: i was just like mm-hmm. oh that's right <laughs> interesting it just, it just it's trying to accumulate as many red flags as it can right right the film itself oh for yeah. sure that's true Kira asks, how does Sadie and Eden know each other?
0: Eden says that they met in Mexico. Sadie looks back at Will, mentioning that they have told her so much about him. He is pondering sl- uh, silently, looking at Eden, her smiling back at him. Kira breaks the awkward stares by mentioning them hitting a coyote on the way up there. The whole co- crowd gasps as Kira tells them it was, all- it was nothing they could do and Will had to kill it. Gina asks ask him, what did he kill it with? He tells them the weapon, and they are all shocked. <laughs> David agrees that it was out of mercy calling it a good thing now this is just very interesting here but before we get there let's finish this on out will ask eden if he could look around for a little bit she allows him to he kisses kira on the cheek and starts heading into the heading um, around the house now i love david's um interpretation of him of, of will killing the coyote saying that like right. he, he takes it as it being taken out of its misery and calling it a good thing because he doesn't like his life or he doesn't like living, right? They, mm. his cult believes that being dead is is a better, it's a better life in the afterlife than in your, I guess, your actual life. So it's very interesting. Very interesting, but I definitely uh, wouldn't have left my girlfriend there, I'm just saying. It's very symbolic
1: (laughs) because, of course, the whole cult thing is that they're, like you said, they're living is a very negative thing. They're only suffering and going through life through pain and misery. And essentially what he did was taking that away from the coyote, which is something the cult would kind of honor in a way. And kind of like what the whole point of that night was for them. And they're all the coyotes, essentially. And he's trying to like put them out of their misery in helping them in a way kind of like well, he did.
0: I feel like it's it's not even him helping. I th- I feel like it's mainly for Eden, right? Like I uh, to have her go through with it like, you know, where you, we'll we'll get to that part right. a little bit later, but yeah, like I, it's it's a very interesting concept, I think. Will goes into the kitchen, grabbing some water while having a flashback of Eden trying to kill herself and him stopping her. Eden startles him by whispering in his ear. He apologizes, her complimenting him on and his aura, um, then complimenting Kira. He thanks her. She moves closer towards him, opening a cabinet, asking him to grab her some glasses. Will asks about the bars on the window. She mentions that it's for security since she was there alone for a while. While handing her a glass, he holds his her wrist out, complimenting her bracelet. She says that she can Got it in Mexico. Him, him asking if that's where she's been for the last two years. Eden tells him some of the time, asking if he was worried/slash thought of her. He th- he nods uh, that he did. Her letting him know that she was fantastic and for him not to be worried. Will ask about it uh, being hard being in this house. She shakes her head that it isn't. He uh, and he comments that she looks different. She tells him that she is free and letting go of all that useless pain, mentioning that she wants him to have it too. They are interrupted by Ben calling Eden hot and giving her a hug. Ben asks about why they are why the, uh, they were talked excuse me ben asks about what they were talking about while grabbing some food they are sort of cry- quiet ben commenting that it's none of his business but she tells ben that she is, was letting will know that pain is optional ben jokes as as she laughs at that it is all chemical reactions and that it is completely changeable ben continues joking about it while she tries to continue sharing how she, uh, you get rid of emotional pain he apologizes but mentions that this sounds fucking crazy she slaps ben Shocking both Will and him, her telling him to stop making a joke about everything and he will never learn anything. Adding that this that it is the reason why nobody cares that he what he thinks, then leaves out of the room.
2: <laughs> Damn. That's interesting. I want to ask you guys, what do you think the point of the scene is? I think this was
0: mainly for Eden to to for us to see eden be where she is currently and to let she's changed right and to let us know that she's changed because we don't know eden right like Mm -hmm. we we don't know anything about eden we don't know how eden was two years ago but i think this scene was to let us know that like okay, she definitely has changed because not only we have the confirmation from Will of saying her looking different, but Ben calling her ideology crazy. So I think yeah. I think that was just to signify like, oh, she's really gone off the deep end or she's really, really changed now. That's what I feel like it is. That's
2: a really good point because yeah. I, I questioned it. I was like, what what is the reasoning for this? But that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah.
1: Right. I feel like oh man it's a good setup to what the whole movie is gonna like show us as the viewer of the ideology of the cult and it's kind of having her kind of introducing it to the characters too Of like this is how i live my life i will tell you more about it but this is the introductory of everything essentially and yeah. i always find it very interesting that her name is eden too um, like the Garden of Eden? Exactly. Kind of like the mm-hmm. start of life, but it's the end of life that starts everything. It, it's really interesting to me, but of course, we learn mm-hmm. more as we go along. Yeah.
0: Ben cracks another slide joke towards Will, but they uh, watch her hand food out to the rest of the folks. Will ask if she has been acting like this the whole night. Ben says that, that her and David both have been acting like that. He chats up with Will about being about being able to process any way that that you want mentioning that will didn't lose his mind will questions him ben saying saying like her ben ask, ask him how how it, how he is will commenting that he doesn't know will ask ask him uh where his wife amanda is ben tells him that she's at home pissed with the kids continuing that (laughs) uh he thinks that they um hate each other ben jokes about them having angry sex them sharing a laugh will telling him that it is good to see him before leaving out of the kitchen and it's interesting because i like he doesn't seem like the type who would be married i guess like he just he's he's so such a goofball i feel like i don't know yeah Eden offers Ben a glass of wine in a truce. She takes, she, she takes him with her. Will is looking over at David at the phone behind the stairs, about to walk off, but pulled uh, to sit on the stairs by Claire. This part's very fucking interesting, because I thought she didn't have service. <laughs> oh yeah. So, it's spotty. Yeah, spotty. But he was definitely on the phone having a full-blown conversation for sure. So, yeah. I don't know. It, I thought that was very interesting. That's a good point she tells him to ask her a question oh excuse me she tells him to ask her a question but he continues looking at david uh, going to the rest of the going to the rest of the party claire asks him again and he asks about her getting tenure in her job she smiles letting him know that she did a year ago letting him know that she had a party and everything he apologizes but she shares that she sh- shares that he's there with her now they look at the group for a moment claire asking if it is weird to be here a car pulls up her thinking that it could be Choi. david opens the door and a man that they don't know embraces david with a huge hug he comes into the room david gathering everyone's attention to introduce pruitt sadie excitedly hugs him Eden stands and he warmly gives her a hug. Next, Ben introduces himself, shaking his hand. He offers him a, him a drink while he is going to grab himself a whiskey. The rest of the group introduces themselves to Pruitt, them mentioning Choi being late. He is confused by the by the name Gina standing um, standing, sharing that it is her boyfriend. She says that he claimed he was going to be um early, asking David if he called. David saying that he thought uh, he was going to come with her, letting her know that he hasn't seen him. She asks if. If anyone gets service up there, they apologize and even giving an excuse that they don't have a landline either. David tells Gina that her best bet will be to back, uh, to be in the back of the house while locking the front door with the key. <laughs> Man. Very intriguing. And I'm, I'm on Will's side right here where I'm just like, yeah, why are you locking the door like that? Yeah. Like, like it's, just, it's odd because it's just like, I lock the door when my company comes to but I I have it where my door can definitely be unlocked
2: by my company. <laughs> I mean, right. think about it. The deadbolt on there is the... It's reverse, right? Right. You need a key to lock it from the inside. And that's really weird. Yeah. Super, super strange. Scalp. But so- I also don't think Will is out of line here. And I think people should kind of have his back because... Yeah. You know, the fact that it's locked with a key and he's... It's and David's odd. taking the key with him. That is very odd. That's that's
0: weird. Like I mean like I yeah. get it of you securing your home, but at the same time that's That's weird. Like, that's really weird.
1: And that's the big thing, too. You can tell that the house has changed over time, too, because he went into the kitchen and he realized that there's bars on the windows now, too. Mm -hmm. So you get the idea of like, oh, wow, they definitely made changes to the house, including the lock being able to be locked from the inside. And it all has a purpose of keeping stuff inside. So as a viewer, Mm -hmm. you kind of just kind of like go buy it because you're like, oh, it's fine. And that's kind of what the main character does, too. He has this suspicion he sees the red flags, but it's his friend, right? It's Eden. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going to be anything bad or malicious, but, of course, he has a lot of paranoia. And that's going to have him say something, but at the same time, move past it, Mm -hmm. which is kind of weird to see.
0: Yeah, and I find that interesting because Eden technically, I guess, isn't really his friend. It's just the fact that they have this... Yeah, well, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say it, it has anything to do with that. I just think it's like they have this bond and Will's still looking for closure, where right. Eden has closure, And he, pro- I'm sure Will probably feels like they should have gotten closer together versus sure. on these separate paths and her finding closure a different way. Because I'm not going to lie. I do think he has his suspicions, but he also has a lot of jealousy towards David. Right. I'm sure. I mean, it's
2: very interesting that you guys uh, painted that perspective because I never saw it as jealousy coming from Will. Um, I saw it as you spoke this bond, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it is very different when you've had a child with someone. Like I said earlier, you're forever linked. And I think it was this deep down caringness that he still has for Eden and seeing that someone can be manipulating her Mm -hmm. and putting her in danger. Right. because they had a child together, right? There's, I don't think that love would really ever go away. And of course there are situations where it could, but I think it wasn't coming from a place of jealousy. And I think that's kind of maybe where his friends had that perspective. But I I saw it as his intuition was telling him something is wrong, just like he was saying throughout right. the film. And truly there were re- a lot of red flags mm. and uh, he he's not going to just stand by and watch that, right? Right. Of course. That sense. Yeah, of course, in, in many situations, right, in reality where someone like Eden would be like, hey, I'm fine. I'm happy. Uh, you kind of need to back off and mm-hmm. you don't live there anymore. That's not your house anymore. Like right. he said, when they arrive, but maybe because of the context of we're watching a horror film, we know something's up. Oh, for sure. sure. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when uh,
1: Pruitt comes inside the picture too. It's like, who is this guy? This is all bad. And I just looked it up right now because I'm just thinking about names. Pruitt means, what was it? It was uh, Brave Little One in French, which is very interesting too because he's kind of like one of the main ones to hold everything together and make sure the night goes as planned. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, follow through. Mm-hmm. David
1: asks if everything is okay
0: as Will uh, looks at the door. He tells David that he is fine, asking why did he why didn't he leave the key inside the keyhole. He tells Will about a home invasion a month ago calling it sick. Will comments that he didn't hear about it. Tommy getting up mocking him that it never happened then. Ben joining in and joking about it. Will gets serious again asking um what if there was a fire. David agreeing and placing the key back into the door. He tells Will that he keeps the house differently, reminding him that it is his house while holding Eden. Eden asks um, if he can get them more firewood, reminding him that he knows where they keep it. Um, He gets up, Kira following him, but being stopped by Eden, asking if if he's always agitated. She tells Eden sometimes, while, uh, while Will stops and slowly walks around the house towards the firewood. Will is outside, but we continue to hear Kira and Eden's conversation. Eden asks how Will has been handling things adding that he could be self-destructive kira letting her know that he's doing the best he can we are with will in the backyard hearing the sound of ty's playful screams while staring through the yard his attention is turned to eden at at the uh, bedroom sliding door um, looking out of the window she puts these pills into a drawer gains her composure and walks away and it's fucked up because the pills were actually for them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: it was fucked oh, I didn't up. catch that.
0: Yeah, it was fucked up. Um, Will is intrigued. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Will is intrigued by this, but he continues to get the firewood for the group. Cut to, uh, cut to him, walking back towards the group, placing the wood down and moving through the um, halls towards the bedroom. He opens a drawer, taking the unlabeled pills out, inspecting one of them. He hears David coming in and he takes the, he takes one of the pills, placing it in his pocket, walking, walking out, but David is in the doorway. They stare at each other for a moment. He tells Will to come back uh, to them when he, whenever he's ready. Cut to Will, sitting on the bed, reminiscing about him and Eden taking a bath together. And this is why I think, like, he did have some slight jealous tendencies towards david because he i think you're right david like he does love her still like yeah. he he still is in love with her and he's still he and i think he did really want that relationship to work and i think she still loves him too
2: but yeah to to be put, put it very cheesy he still loves her but i don't think he's in love with her anymore <laughs> that's fair that's oh, fair. yeah, yeah. No.
0: Ty Perfect. comes into the room, smiling at them. Uh, will tells them to go back to bed, adding that they will keep it down. Ugh, fucking gross. <laughs> like I would hate to like walking on my parents like bathing together. Yeah, it's uh, weird. They give their "I love yous" before uh, before him leaving out of the bathroom. Will cracks a joke about him seeing them naked. Will is thinking about this memory while standing in the doorway until he hears a scream from the from the other room. He goes into into the room see, to see what the commotion is all about. Gina spilling that they are in a cult. We are only 25 minutes into this fucking movie. Right. And we now know that they are in a cult. So that's why yeah. I was just like, they, yeah, like, I love that we spent so much time downstairs. Cause I didn't even know, like, when I first watched this, like, I was just like, oh, they're just having drinks or whatever. I didn't know there was a fucking full course of meal that they ha- had prepared. And it's just like, I didn't see anyone really cooking anything.
2: So it's just yeah, like- kind of weird because you don't know what this invitation's about, right? Because right. I, initially, when I saw the physical invitation, it it made me wonder, like, oh, are they going to a wedding or something, right? Um, but that's what I appreciate about this film that it, it feels so real. Yes. You know? yeah. it feels like in a real life scenario, if you know, you go see some friends, you're all together for a little dinner party, and someone brings up like that kind of mumbo jumbo. Yeah, someone's gonna make a joke and be like, oh. This is a cult. Like even if someone brings brings up a pyramid scheme. Right. Someone's right. gonna call it a cult, right? So right. uh I think it's very grounded. I really like it. Oh uh, yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. David t- telling her to stop claiming that they are not in a cult, Miguel asking Eden if they tru- if they are truly in one, her agreeing that they are, and they are st- then and they all start putting two and two together, cracking jokes about th- about them running naked. David starts sharing that the group is just a group of folks who lost someone and came together, adding that it is science, rather than a religious cult, sharing that it is a th- it is thousands of them all over the country. Ben chimes in that his bosses into this, asking if it's a new est david tells him that it is more grounded than that miguel uh asking what really goes on since they ask david gets up saying that they uh have something to show them they all begin to excitedly shout excuse me will comes and sits down on the couch tommy smiling that it is it is a conversion party kira sits next to will and i love that because in retrospect that's what it is it, it's oh, a, sure. it, it is it is conversion party, but it's like by force, not necessarily on their own will, uh, which is why I like Will's name, because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> no one is truly willing to do this. Yeah, um, except for, you know, being brainwashed. David comes back into the room with the laptop, showing them a video. A man uh, named Dr. Joseph begins to speak about what they are showing. Quote, This is our home in Sonora, Mexico, and it is your home too, if you choose it to be. Our home and our family is open to anyone with a desire to help themselves. The human brain has a remarkable ability to heal. My life's work has been to discover new ways to rewire, to to rewrite our experiences with trauma end quote he continues talking and the group watches intriguingly except for will he continues saying quote, i mean trauma has visited all of us we invite you to, uh, we invite you to a conscious existence to a connected existence but we take this journey all journeys side by side you are not alone Where, wherever you are we transcend end quote the video continues showing a woman named annie in a bed who was dying Dr. Joseph asks her, who, who is she going to going to see? She responds with her husband and her father. He agrees. Annie starts to struggle, Joseph telling her she will go soon and all, her, all of her pain will go with it. She is silent, him asking her if she is ready while rubbing her head. He tells another woman to breathe in deeply and fill in, uh, in her spirit. She says that she feels it while Annie takes her last breath. Joseph looks at the group saying that it is that uh, she is with all of them now and their loved ones, telling them not to cry. There is no darkness, just reunion, letting them know that Annie is safe. I fucking love this shit, dude. Like, I think this is so so clever on giving uh just these traces and sprinkles of salt on top of like the way these cults are because like i feel like this is just chopped in of multiple different types of cults and i quick tangent i recently watched um well about a month or two ago um uh the heaven's gate uh Word. documentary on hbo max it is fucking wild first and foremost but it, it very much like was a lot of this type of concept, like uh, your body is a vessel and like you don't need to have sex and reproduce like it, it was it was very interesting. It was very interesting. But a, a lot of this movie gave me those flashbacks
1: <laughs> and it gave me a lot of vibes from the movie that we covered earlier too, The Lodge and seeing like the video footage of that, too. And mm-hmm. which, which is down. a copy
0: of The Heaven's Gate.
1: Right. And it all comes down to like a lot of stuff with like religion and kind of like what we're talking about earlier. There's a lot of uses of like names in this movie that have to do with like biblical characters as well. Uh, Even Sadie is a name in a biblical story who's like married to Isaac, I believe. And she's known as like the little princess. And that's kind of like how she's treated in this group of friends and stuff like that. And it's just a very interesting concept, like cult in general, and how it's Mm -hmm. used in this movie because... Like you said, they are getting forced to do this, but at the same time, they don't have to believe it. They're still gonna execute the whole entire sequence of the night. And right. I feel I, like I, th- I think I've, they tried to like yeah, really get them on the same page. I think they would have loved for them to accept it. But it was not like their main goals. Like if you accept it, right. that would be amazing because we want you to feel how we feel before this goes down. And I think they wanted to let them know what they were going to do. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. But, of course, they kept it a secret because they feel like all the their friends think they're crazy, which, you know, yeah.
0: It's a little cuckoo bananas. <laughs> David closes
1: the computer, breaking the
0: silence by telling them that um, uh, that is what they are about. Gina is shocked that they just watched someone die. Them asking if that was real, Eden smiles that it, that it is. Gina asks ask why would anyone want to see that? Eden claims that Annie wanted to show everyone um that it was nothing to be afraid of, adding that she was very sick. Kira asks of with what, and she was barely that she barely looked thirty. Eden bluntly tells her that it was cancer. Ben chimes in and it, and. Um, Um, in that it isn't a bad way to go. Gina's still confused by them recording it, Sadie claiming that it is beautiful. Tommy and Miguel have a slight disagreement, Tommy calling it grim, Miguel calling it peaceful. uh, Will asks David why would he show them that at a dinner party? And I love how he says, like, why would you show me that at a dinner party, David?
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it's so weird. And, like, how can you show someone that without you know, a warning of what's about to be presented. That's just so... It's fucking wild. Yeah, I I understand, like, a lot of people are desensitized from, like, seeing death on screen, but at the same time, this is an actual recording of an actual person dying, and Mm -hmm. to just show that at a party, that's just so twisted. Right. And Miguel's uh, uh, in the medical field, too, right? So, like, I feel like,
0: like, of course, he's going to probably find it peaceful, more peaceful than all of them, because True. he's probably seen someone die in a very horrific way, right? So, yeah. and dying with strangers because you're dying with doctors and things like that versus right. this woman dying with people that she considered family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: David mentions that it is not being taken the way that that um, he meant it to. Kira adding that it is pretty heavy for them. Eden goes next to David saying that it isn't heavy for them. It's, All right, it's their it's their culture now, right? Yeah. Pruitt says that it is okay that everyone doesn't get it going over to not being about death, claiming that it is about communion. David shares his story about being a drug addict record producer, saying that it isn't that he isn't anymore because he isn't anymore because of Dr. Joseph freed him from all of that, claiming that he doesn't have to be afraid anymore. Pruitt agreeing with him. Amen, brother. David is about <laughs> to start preaching and is about to bring up Eden and Will's loss, but Will immediately tells him to stop and I the, the, the range of Logan Marshall Green first and foremost is just fucking phenomenal. God damn. Eden lets him know that uh, she almost ended her life, but she but now she is great and happy. She stops talking to take in uh, to excuse me she stops talking to take in the way everyone is looking at her, giving off a nervous laugh. Will cuts her off holding back tears, asking her if he if it is just that easy for her. Tommy tries to cl- uh, calm him down by telling him to go into the kitchen so they can get a drink. The group are all silent for a moment, but David continues to preach. Ben is over uh, listening to him and just walks off. Then the doorbell rings. Gina is about to go up for it, but Pruitt tells her that he got it. Pruitt calls over David, and the rest of the group gets up. And I just find that so interesting. I just want to know who was at the door. Like, I assume yeah, it, 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 it was too. other members. Right, like I, I would assume it would be other members checking, like, like yo, like we're about to start our our ceremony soon or something like that because obviously they were on a timer, right? right. Because they they had to do it all around the same time. It looked yeah. like so. Gina asks Will if he's okay. Um, uh, he apologizes. She tells him that she um that she knew knew it was going to be heavy and that uh, that is why her and Choi were supposed to be be here to be there together for him she is talking to him um She is talking to him about giving him space, but he isn't really listening. He continues drinking his water while looking at David speaking to someone outside. Gina notices and brings his attention back to her. David comes back inside, claiming that it was a couple of people looking for a party on foot. Will um, just stares at him while Gina cracks a joke about the people looking for a party are going to get dehydrated. She continues telling Will that uh, she has been thinking about him. He, uh, he tells her that, that he loves and misses her while hugging her. Gina tells him that she is going to get another drink. He looks over at his girlfriend, then at Sadie sitting alone, staring back at him will sits alone at a kitchen table miguel asks him if if he is going to join them at some point will tells him that uh, he's found a bunch of pills in eden's bedroom insisting him to uh, look at it and tell him what the, what it might be he's a little taken back by it but tells will what he thinks it is will ask if it is dangerous miguel tell him um letting him know that of course if you take enough of them it can be dangerous you know the difference between A drug is in the doses. A drug and poison, I guess, is in the doses. Um Miguel tells him that is just an old school pill. Tommy calls them out of the kitchen and they both come back to the party. David is opening up another bottle of wine while while they are walking over to David to accept a drink. Will tells Miguel to keep the pill thing between them. They get their drink. Miguel jokingly mentions that Will thinks they are all on pills. David laughs, asking him if he thinks they are crazy. Will tries to defend it, but David tells him that he is. Not offended, adding that most people think they are crazy, but they aren't as happy as they are. Pruitt asks David where the diet drinks are, and he leaves to go show him. Will ask Miguel why he spilt that information, and he jokes about not speaking English. <laughs> I actually really love Tommy and
2: uh, and uh, Miguel. They're so cute. <laughs> I think they are very funny. They're but again, so funny. Uh, so many red flags, right? I mean, yeah. even here, David admitting that yeah, people do think we're crazy, but we're happy. You know, it's just it's red flag after red flag after red flag.
0: It's it's all very telling about all of like the characterization, the characterization behind this cult. Right. Yeah.
2: What I think is so fascinating is if people kind of look back when they are in a bad situation, Mm -hmm. uh, they always have this false positive intent um, where they're like, Something bad can't be happening, even though there are plenty of red signs. I think it's very indicative of situations that people find themselves in, right? They always kind of are in denial that they're in a poor situation or they're in a bad situation. And this film presents that exact representation of that, in my opinion.
0: I
1: agree. Oh, for sure.
2: I agree. Yeah will ask the couple if they feel like
0: it, it's weird tommy agreeing that tonight it uh, was going to feel strange or sad for him but this is an overdue reunion and cracks a joke about the Colt. will continues his gaze at david in the kitchen and lets the couple know that he isn't kidding tommy lets uh tommy tells him that they are a little weird chopping it up to chopping it up to it being la and th- but they are cons- but he's considering them harmless um Miguel, Miguel telling him that they just need to get through the night and enjoy enjoy the drinks. David calls for everyone's attention on the balcony above. He apologizes uh, for the video in, in that he doesn't want them to think that he is forcing his ideas on them even though you're 100% forcing your ideas yeah, on them. Yeah, totally doing that. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing. Tommy, Miguel, and Will come back into the room. David continues talking to, to them while coming down the stairs to join them. He tells them about this game in Mexico that he uh, thinks they should try. They ask what kind of game. He tells them that it's kind of like I never, I never, but it is called I Want. They joke about the game, but David ignores them, telling them the point of it is to be honest and admit their desires. And I love they are all like how uncomfortable everybody is, but they're just like, fuck, I don't want to be rude. So I, I yeah. guess we'll talk about or, this.
2: I don't want to be the party pooper.
0: Right. right. Um, Sadie jumps up to go first and she tells the group that she wants to tell them that she loves them. She adds that she hasn't known them for very long, but tonight she feels love. And of course she does because she feels like she is going to spend an entire afterlife with these people exactly sadie surprises gina with a kiss on the lips to pass on the question of her of her wants Gina says that she wants some of that coke that david used to do david tells her done and that he has some more been joking about him being the worst rehabber ever gina tries to tell him that she was just kidding and he lets her know that she was not kidding and she agrees except in the cocaine pruitt interrupts (laughs) to go next he wants to tell everybody about his his wife margaret he tells them that they were married eight for eight years, and it would have been 15 years next month. He tells them that she was a painter and how he met her in Minneapolis. The whole room is quiet listening to Pruitt speak about his wife, Miguel, ask if she passed away. He tells Miguel that she has. Pruitt tells the story of the night of, of her passing, him drinking, and they started, and they starting to have an argument about silly things. When he went to pour himself another drink, she tried to stop him. He hit her. And she she hit her head, continuing that she was trying to get up, but she collapsed and she was gone. The group is all in shock. Pruitt continues commenting that it was a terrible mistake. Seven years ago, he went to prison and paid for it, but he was still the same person. He tells them by accepting the invitation and looking ahead, he destroyed that part of him that made that moment possible, adding that he's cured and he misses her. Purit tells him that he doesn't grieve or feel guilt because he is going to see her again, concluding that the group know, uh, uh, know that forgiveness doesn't have to wait and that he is free to forgive himself, and so are they. And the look on Will's face is just absolutely just like distrust of this whole situation. He's like, what the? fuck why are we
2: here (laughs) yeah exactly first of all why is this person here and everything that I'm paranoid about right now it seems like it's coming to fruition like yeah something's off here like why is this guy here
0: yeah David speaks up, asking the. <clears throat> excuse me. David speaks up, asking the group what is what is more honorable, facing the truth or hiding it to be accepted. Adding that people change. Claire mentions that this doesn't seem honest, and it seems like he is selling them something. David whispers that they are. Eden interrupts. Um, and I love how Eden, how Claire spoke up at that point, where it's just like, yeah, fuck you, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you aren't feeling, you know, making uh, Will feel completely alone in this situation right now. Eden interrupts, saying that she wants to kiss Ben, and she always has. Ben looks at David, he shrugs at Ben, and he heads over to kiss Eden. He gives her a peck, but she pulls him back in, making out with them. The crowd howling, except for Will, Kira, and Claire, visibly uncomfortable. Tommy, joking, slash, non jokingly, says that he wants a blow chop from somebody. <laughs> Claire feels uncomfortable and says that she has to go. But David claims that they are just having a little fun. She tells him that this is making her feel very uncomfortable. David tries to convince her to stay with them. um, And Claire lets him know that she uh, doesn't want to spoil the fun for anybody else. And David is still being a persistent weirdo. Will gets up telling him to just let her go, asking her why she can't leave. David explains that that he wants her to stay and have a good time using eden as a person who planned all of this will says to let her do do what she wants and she agrees apologizing to claire and he agrees excuse me apologizing to claire eden asks for her to stay but claire shares that she is tired will assist to walk her to her car but she lets him know that she'll be fine she gives her farewell purit asking if she is in the prius letting her know that he parked behind her he follows her out will watching them through the window kira asks for him to come talk to her he tells her to give him a second while watching them outside Pruitt is directing her and and right when she is about to pull off he calls for her and she's officially out of line of sight david Mm -hmm. comes up behind will asking if they can talk alone telling him that it is important and will agrees what do you think happened to claire do you think he killed her?
1: Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, I think so too. she either got abducted or killed in the moment, or you know, hidden and killed. Right. Whatever it may be. Yeah. But it, this scene made me so uncomfortable because I'm sure we all know many Claires that have been in this situation, right? And especially right. when they want to remove themselves, they're doing everything they're supposed to. I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna excuse myself and remove myself, and yeah. then you have people like david that are like no come on we're just playing around and they have to stay i am uncomfortable right And at that point that's not enough again red flags right like i've been saying throughout the episode and um i'm glad that will stepped in but i wish will just would have followed his instincts right um and gone out there with her Um, it's a a difficult situation yeah because he did try and he can't really overstep his boundaries right you can't white knight it Um, but it sucks because Will is correct about all of this Right? and it's it's just so painful to watch especially for someone like Claire because you want when you're watching these films you tell yourself like guys just get up and leave right like you have the opportunity to go and um, Claire is an example of that and I mean who knew, who knows what Pruitt did for sure at that moment. You kinda because we know they're all very deliberate and very intelligent about what they're doing. Yeah, you, yeah. you
1: definitely feel bad for Claire because you kinda have the concept is like, Yeah, he for sure killed her. And the movie does such a good job of building up the tension for it in the suspense. Uh basically how the camera isn't always the perspective of Will, where it always has her in line of sight, but every time he gets distracted, the camera turns with him as well. And we stop looking mm. at what's happening outside. And yeah, very good point. it's just one of those things where you're going along with the journey of the character and you're exactly what Will's feeling. It's like, I don't trust this. I don't like how this is going. But at the same time, do I really know what happened? We have our indications of what probably happened. And of course we probably have a little bit of a confirmation on it of what happens later on. It's like, okay, that's probably for sure what happened with Claire. But at the same time, this movie does a really good job of putting you in the shoes of the character and feeling that same paranoia. So I was like, I agree. I love it. It's so good
0: so good david tells will that he is happy that um he is there telling will that they chose him to be here tonight but shares that he is he has been acting so suspicious reminding him that he locks the door and he um had a fit about it Rightfully fucking so dude that's weird and adding that his friend wants to move his car yet he watched him like he is going to steal something I don't know him. Maybe he is. Um, Will <laughs> apologizes and claims that maybe he he wasn't prepared to be here tonight. David accepts his apology and tells him that he understands. He is about to go on a sermon, but Will stops him and he doesn't pretend to know um, what he went through with his wife, continu- continuing that he doesn't know him. Um, Pruitt comes back into the house greeting the two men, letting them know that he tried to convince Claire to stay, claiming that he felt bad about scaring her, concluding that she seemed to understand before walking off. David puts um, David pats Will on the shoulder before leaving him there. They all and uh, they all head upstairs for dinner, and I just love just all of this tension that is just yeah. built for the third act. It's just it's beautiful,
2: beautiful. Was very intelligent with his choice of words too. Yeah, you know, having a response like maybe I wasn't prepared for this as I thought. Right, exactly. And I think it's very deliberate.
0: Yep so um they are joking at the dinner table while eating but will is just watching everyone he reminisces about him um him um and eden with their friends during Ty's birthday party but turns uh, his attention back to everyone eating and this is just a very interesting way of how this is filmed in general the cinematography is just bananas Mm -hmm. Um, We jump to Will calling for Kira, but her not hearing him. In um, In the flashback, he is running towards his son while Eden is screaming. He screams, but it is inaudible. Cut to Will outside while everyone is helping clean up from the party he is downstairs and he hears giggling coming coming from one of the rooms will goes to check it out and um it is it is sadie showing radical faces in in the mirror and one being an inaudible scream she looks at him through the crack of the door and he walks off sadie joins will outside asking him about his relationship with kira he's just like not doing so good with kira huh (laughs) (laughs) what so weird he questions her she tells him that kira seems distant but he um tells her that she's great sadie looks back at the house suggesting that they should go back inside he um he tells her no and that he is going to make a call she gives she gives her luck reminding him that there isn't any service up there once again that other reminder he lets her he lets her know that um it goes in and out she sits next to him telling him uh, to have sex with her he is confused by this her sharing that it is like um that in mexico and it was awesome and she was like you know sex with anybody you want she's like cool he's not interested leave him out of it <laughs> mm-hmm. will tells her to go back inside and she questions if he um if he doesn't like her he comments that he doesn't know her but she tells him that she uh, could make she could make him like her and beg for her without even touching him just with her voice she moves in close but he calls her off not giving her um not giving in to her advances and she leaves i wonder if this is actually real because it like cuts back to will being alone upstairs again
2: yeah it was very interesting there was a moment where i was wondering if uh they were being drugged and if like you know, there's gaps in memory there. Um, so I was wondering the same thing. What was that about? I'm
0: not too sure. Like, uh, like I'm not too sure of, like, if he imagined that. Um, but... I don't hmm. think so. I don't, I don't think, think that so either. I just,
1: that.
0: I just think this I think was just so an odd cut uh, is all. Like, I, I that's all I think it was. It was just a very odd way of pl- this being edited in. Maybe... But- I don't know. Cut to Will um, being alone and startled by Tommy, asking him, what is he doing outside? He tells Tommy that he needed a break. Tommy laughs, asking asking him from what. Will comments that there is something wrong here, but Tommy um, tells him that he's wrong, giving him reasons why Claire left and personality traits on Choi not being present. And the conditioning is just fantastic. I love how it's like working on some of the friends. Um. Tommy mentions that he hasn't seen Eden in two years and they are all trying to figure out how to go on. And, and this is how they do it. Will shares that it, it doesn't feel safe there. Tommy agreeing and calling him courageous for coming. He tells Will that he loves, he loves him and stop acting weird. Will nods, um, and Will nods and he gives him a hug, letting him know that, that he's safe. He heads back inside. Will staying behind for a moment longer. He looks at his phone and has a voicemail from Choi from earlier in the evening evening asking him to pick up desserts will is shocked while listening to the message looking back inside the dinner party fade to will walking back into the uh, walking back to the dinner table everyone greeting him and wanting to play more of i want the lights go out while they are chattering and they are a little confused but um david and eden walk upstairs with a birthday cake for miguel miguel closes his eyes blows out the candle leaving them in darkness you have you have your hand raised david Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, I thought you were just, like, trying to stop me. My bad. (laughs) Sorry. Um... Will ask where Choi is. Everyone confused. He tells them about the message that he received. Gina asking Eden if that's true. She tells Gina that she hasn't seen Choi. Will, uh, Will starting to get more agitated and Kira telling him to stop. He tells her no, continuing saying that he got her message from Choi, who made the call from out, right outside of their house. While passing, while passing out plates, David says that they haven't seen him. Will not believe in them, telling them not to fucking lie to him. Eden sticks up for David and uh everyone agreeing that they maybe um that they that maybe he turned around or maybe he had something else to do irritated will ask why is everyone being so fucking polite about the situation and asking where Choi is again and i don't blame him why are you guys being so polite this is our friend who's not here yet what the fuck is going on no one's heard from him his girlfriend's here waiting for him for hours probably What's going on? Where's Choi? That's a great question. (laughs) Gina asking what is going on. Eden uh, swearing that she hasn't seen Choi tonight. Will comments that something strange is going on there, Pruitt questioning him. Will shouting that he doesn't understand why uh, both Pruitt and Sadie are even there granted david yells at hey these are my guests while t- well uh, will turns his attention to eden he reminds her that they haven't seen her in two years and all of a sudden they get invited to this lavish dinner sadie chiming in and it helps people um but he ignores her and i'm not gonna lie I was, david i got a lot of vibes from his character in the haunting of hill house from this yeah okay yeah like i, yeah. I, I, like, I, I definitely got that. a lot of hit lot a lot of those vibes from this yeah. as well and i'm just like it's hard to oh, separate cool. Yeah, like, it's a very interesting correlation. But he's very different in Game of Thrones, right? Like, he's like like a fucking warrior and shit in Game of Thrones. It's kind of cool. Miguel is about to say something, but Will slams his hand on the table, yelling that it is a fucking cult. Kira demands him to sit down, but Will continues, saying that um, this is about denial, calling it a brainwash. He reminds Eden about their son, and she is trying to ignore it. He continues saying that their son is real, and for her to not forget that. Eden is silent. Will asks uh, where Troy is again, Kira trying to calm him down. David suggesting that this um, being a misunderstanding. Will not wanting to hear, hear it, asking questions about, about the locks, bars on the windows, and pills. Kira apologizes on their be- behalf, suggesting that they should go. Will continues to yell, but she demands that they are going now. They stop when the doorbell rings. David goes to answer it. Will looks over the banister, Gina running over, and it is Choi. Troy.
1: Oh, man. I <laughs> was actually shocked. You
2: expect it to happen, too. You expected it? I feel like I feel like it's... Once it, everything gets riled up, you start wondering, like, Troy's going to pop up now, right? Like, something's going to be explained how he... To to validate why he was legitimately not there. Uh, so I was waiting for it because I, I, I felt like it was going to be... Deliberately done by David and yep. uh, his crew, right? And I thought they—I don't know—I don't know how to explain it, but I thought they were waiting for the right time to bring Choi back. Right. It—it it felt like Choi was definitely in on it. Like it, it, it felt like it. Yeah, it felt like
0: that. Like it. Like, and I would have even been completely content if Choi would have been like, definitely one hundred percent on it and was like completely a part of the the cult. To begin with, like, oh, interesting. I would have loved that.
2: I would have I been completely fine with that. Um, but yeah, I didn't get the notion that he was like in on the cult, but it I didn't almost felt like it. Right. But so it's it's really difficult to explain. That's so interesting. yeah, uh,
1: I totally thought but, he was dead. I was like, oh, man, he's gone. He's dead somewhere.
2: <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I think a lot of uh, theories came all at once for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah and and I'm right there with you where I I feel like Choi showing up at the time that he showed up like it did feel like it was planned right but it it felt like it was planned like obviously for us as an audience to to make it seem like Will is losing his shit right. and he's just yeah. paranoid up the ass cuz after this moment he's just like fuck I should calm down like for sure like maybe I am overthinking all of this maybe this all is in my head maybe I am being overprotective right um and then other shit happens, and it is fantastic. Right. He apologizes yeah. that work called him letting letting her know that um he apologizes that work called him, letting her know that he called her. She hugs him, saying that she didn't get it, him asking her if she is okay. Everyone is looking over at Will while, uh, Will is trying to fight back tears. Choi asks what's going on. Will calls out to David, him telling Will that it is okay. Kira tells him that they should really go, Tommy telling her to give him a moment. Will apologizes to Eden while crying. She accepts it, letting him know that he can't, um, that he can't criticize them for finding their own way. He understands, claiming that it is none of his business and apologizing again for it. David also accepts his apology, letting him know that they are part of his family. They all are. Will excuses himself from the group. And this fucking scene deserved way more recognition. Because the paranoia, the accusations, the range behind all of these characters just magnificent
2: and i feel like we don't hear enough about this movie (laughs) exactly i never heard about this movie until watching it true same to be honest yeah there you go
1: i've seen the poster before which is interesting with the broken glass of the wine um Mm -hmm. but i do have to say like it always brings me back to like the lodge again it's like oh is this a psychological thing where Maybe he right. is he is the one that's crazy and maybe he's going to be the one that does something that affects everyone. And that's where my mind went with this movie. Uh, and the movie did a great job because that was its intention to like, look at this. Joy is alive. Maybe you were wrong about everything just like the character is and then you have self-doubt. And like I said, this movie does a really good job of having that ride be taken with the main character and putting you in his perspective and making you exactly. think the same way he is. And I was like, damn, this is really good.
2: I think Will's character is designed in a way where you are, you can immerse yourself in that character. For sure. As if you're, you are in the situation because uh, his, his actions and his thoughts and his flashbacks really put you in his shoes and we're really only focusing on his perspective. Um, So it allows you to kind of, to invest yourself into him.
0: Yeah. And the, other thing that makes Will seem such a dynamic character in all of this is that no one, everyone thinks he's fucking crazy. Like yeah. everyone's more worried about him than they are about the situation. And that's what makes this whole thing genius mm-hmm. is because everyone's worried about Will. And it, it just, and David does a fantastic job in making him seem, you're welcome, making him seem like he is, <laughs> you know, crazy like it's just like like a lot a lot of it is just like like damn he has his rights to be suspicious of me but i'm gonna Mm -hmm. use this against him because his friends don't fucking believe him (laughs) so hey um because it sounds like uh will hasn't seen his friends in a long time too so it obviously not as long as two years but it definitely has been some time that's passed for sure um will pours water over his face looking in the mirror briefly thinking about teaching his son how to wash his hands cut to will outside kira coming to, out to check on him she tells him that they should go and for them to uh, get out of there he lets her know that um he can't and that he isn't okay asking where he where um uh asking where does he put the pain of his dead son she understands him continuing to explain how it feels blaming himself for his son's death kira comments that he couldn't have known will continues about that horrific day of another kid um that they were um and saying that they were playing That, this whole thing, horrible. She lets him know uh, what happened. She lets him know what happened to his son could not have been predicted or changed. Will ignores her, saying that he has been waiting to die since that moment happened. And during this moment, like, I legit just couldn't breathe on this part. Because, like, I just don't know what I would do if that was my daughter. I kind
2: of thought to myself, like, how would I feel in his shoes? And I just didn't even want to think about it like it's
0: it's so it's so hard and like i and like even that moment when he was talking about like i was like tearing up because i was like dude like if that were to happen to ellie like i would i i i think i would probably want to die it's like right
2: now you have a you have a kid so right yeah yeah and you and, could it's a lot more it's a lot easier to empathize with now
0: yeah it definitely is it definitely is and like it's pretty wild but like yeah once you have a kid like you just see it all so differently and you're just like oh fuck Oh man! Kira stares at him, reaching out for his hand, letting him know that moving to- uh, moving forward isn't betrayal. He tells her to look at Eden, claiming that it is what letting go looks like. Kira tells him that he isn't letting he isn't letting go of Ty, and that um she could help with that. He lets her know that that he loves her, but he doesn't think she can help him. Kira heads back inside, offended, well apologizing for what he said. And I love what she says. She's like, "Yeah, of course you are." <laughs> Um, Eden is cutting into into the cake. Will co- um, coming back inside the house. She greets Will, him asking if he um, uh, can see Ty's room. And it's it's interesting because I I think like for Kira's sake here, because she she just wants to be there for Will. She's not trying to replace his son. She's just trying to be there for him, mm-hmm. and and he's not allowing her to do that. And and I think that's that that's something that I feel like we
2: definitely, um, we're definitely probably going to talk about during the whole show for sure. Uh, it's interesting. God. I just wanted to add really quickly. I think there are some things that people can't help you with. Right. Right. Yeah. It's true. Like at the end of the day, he lost his son, and you can be there for someone, but you probably can't help them. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: She looks over at David. He nods. She allows him excuse me. He opens the door to his son's room, reminiscing about the time his son occupied it. He sits on his bed, thinking about his son sleeping, lying his head down, staring at his son, and him staring back at him. Back to the present, he is crying on the floor, um, and it's actually not even his son's room anymore. It's David's office now, right? Uh, But here's a thud outside. He goes up to the window, looking at David lighting a red lantern outside. Will is intrigued. David heads back inside. Will goes over over to the wall looking at the artifacts then going through David's desk. He pulls out David's laptop, opening the computer. Will starts playing the video of Dr. Joseph. He empowers through through the personal video. He empowers through the personal video, reminding whomever about the reward, letting them know that it is time to give yourself over. Someone knocks on the door calling for Will, but he continues watching the video of Joseph ending with an I love you and I am waiting for you. Will closes the laptop after a second knock. He opens the door proving on the other end they walk back upstairs david and eden handing drinks that um are being poured from a pitcher for each one of them will meticulously watching them all david handing 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 blah, blah blah david handling the drinks placing them in front of um everyone and placing one in front of will David passionately kisses Eden, telling her to look at all of her friends, asking them to take a moment to really look at each other while asking them to raise their glass. David gives a toast, quote, to a better world, to peace. Cheers. End quote will yells for them not to drink it while smashing everyone's glasses except for gina he takes a sip during the uh during the cheers or excuse me who takes a sip during during the cheers everyone is telling him to calm down he starts shouting to kira and they are um leaving and they are leaving now sadie yells that he ruined everything running up to him shouting that he ruined literally everything she is hitting him he pushes her off of him she hits her head on the dresser Pruitt bends down to check on her. Eden, sh- Eden is shouting, "Um, what has he done?" Miguel goes to check on her, telling someone to call nine one one. And Bill is on the job, or Ben is on the job. Miguel continues trying to get Sadie's attention while asking David if they have a first aid kit. He shockingly nod- nods his head slowly, heading downstairs. Kira mentions that she is not breathing. Miguel's saying that she is, but she. Uh, but uh, Kira yells that Gina is the one who's actually not breathing. Gina is laid out on the table, foam pulling out of her mouth. Miguel and Choi immediately run over to her, move her down to the floor, performing CPR, yelling about the someone getting the police, but no reception. Once again, we were reminded, they do not have reception in this house. The police are not coming for you. They continue as David moves closer towards them. Ben tries for the door, but it is locked. Pruitt smiles, whispering to him, and this was so fucking creepy seeing Pruitt smiling.
1: Right. Like, yes. whispering,
0: like whispering like just like don't don't make it kind of thing. It was just like it was like, yeah, die, die, die. Like like it's working, it's working.
1: Uh,
0: David shoots Miguel in the back. And this is just fucking beautiful. Like sad. love when the tables turn right here. It oh, is yeah. sad. This stuff comes
1: bonkers. Bro. Dude, bananas. when I, uh, in, the, in the movie does such a good job too because Obviously, everyone's so fixated on Gina that once the edit happens, you hear the gunshot, you're shocked by it. And this is, again, mm-hmm. another great camera technique of just focusing on what's going on and then a quick cut to something that's new and shocking. And it was like a good jump scare in the way because I, I got caught off guard with that shot. I was like, whoa, when did he get a gun? It like took me on that <laughs> journey. I was like, all right, all right, this is going to a place that I have no idea what's about to happen. So, yeah, it was right. cool
0: yeah they are all in slow motion moving away from david pure taking the gun out of his hand uh then shooting Choi in the stomach and like david's like shocked right he's just like oh my god i just i I just killed somebody and right. like purge just like i killed my wife come on give me the gun <laughs> like i can do this <laughs> oh no <laughs> he crawls away um uh, he crawls away, Pruitt following him into the room, finishing the job with a smile on his face. Uh, the rest of them slowly move towards the stairs, trying to get out of Tommy running... Um, Tommy running... Um, at David, but being stopped um by Sadie with a knife slashing at his chest, Ben is trying for the door, but it is locked. will yelling for him to follow him to follow him and Kira, but the area is locked as well. Sadie slams into him, he pushes her into another room, and they move uh, and they move into a room behind them, locking themselves inside, barricading uh barricading the door. Will tries for the sliding glass door, but is also locked. Why is everything fucking locked in this house? <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that they are going to have to break it Kira, um continuing to to look for a way out he calls her over ben is trying to escape but david stabs him in the back and pruitt shoots him in the face mm. Kier cries asking him why is this happening he gains his composure telling her that they are going to get ready and um, do whatever it takes reminding her that they are just people giving her a kiss and she is ready to fight Let's fucking go. They move the barricade, slowly opening the door and moving out of the room. While they move, you can hear Eden talking um talking to David about it not being like this. David continues her his brainwashing and manipulation, trying to coerce her um to help him finish these acts. Will and Kira are listening from behind, David convincing Eden that they can still leave all of this behind. He leaves out of the room. Um, he leaves out of the room, Eden slowly, um, getting up, sobbing, sobbing, um, out of the room. Will turns back to Kira, telling her about another door to, uh, to the garage upstairs. He looks past her and she, uh, and uh, she looks past her to see when the coast is clear for them to move while moving they notice sadie on the couch dying crying for dr joseph with her fire poker in hand will slowly takes the poker out of her hands and continues up the stairs and what do you think she died from do you think she died from the
2: drink because i think it's self-infliction at that point and this is the it moment feels like it, where right? i uh, think back to the coyote scene and i think oh yeah you know, Will has an opportunity here, and there's—it's kind of communicated through eye contact. This is how I interpreted it, but um, I almost felt like she was asking him to like end it for her, yeah, like put her out of her misery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he didn't. He mm-hmm. didn't give her mercy. He just right. let her suffer. Damn, damn.
0: That's so, deep. That was a good. That's a good way to look at that they uh watch each step continuing to move strategically once in the room where Choi was shot will notices the door is no longer there kira tries for the window will quiet uh quieting her down when they hear pruitt walking up the stairs gun in hand pruitt goes into the room gun at the ready scanning uh, scanning the room for a moment will hits pruitt with the poker disarming him but pruitt starts getting the upper hand Kira runs over to him, Pruitt easily knocking her back down. Will crawls backwards. Pruitt telling him to not be afraid, sharing that this this is a plan for all of them. Will runs at him, but Pruitt puts him in a chokehold, telling him to let go, promising that there will be there they, they will be there soon. Kira hits him in the face with a bottle multiple times until he goes down. And that guttural scream you get from Pruitt is yeah. just like, yeah,
2: fucking... I hadn't mentioned that. I was Man. gonna mention that as well. It's like...
1: Arr!
2: Like, it's so it's, well done. It's so, like... <laughs> Like it's so it's brutal. Guttural. Yeah. It's
1: just, oh man. man. When Kira was hitting him in the head, the sound mixing, as fucked up as the yeah. sound uh, sounds, <laughs> literally sounds, um, it was really really <laughs> Not well lot done, and it was really phenomenal. And his yells were just <laughs> so yep. haunting, and it's just like yeah, it was such a, it was incredible, such a killer moment, you know. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It reminds me of that Pan's Labyrinth scene a little bit. Obviously oh, yeah. not as brutal as that Pan's Labyrinth uh, scene. The nose, but yeah. Um, when Del Toro wants to, man, he can get fucking brutal. Right. Will grabs Kira's hand to get out of there. They stop when they see Eden pointing the gun at them, shooting Will in the shoulder. Damn. She's surprised at shooting him, apologizing for shooting him, pointing the gun at herself, then shooting herself in the stomach. Kira goes back to check on Will, telling him that they're about they, they aren't going to die like this. David calls for Eden downstairs while um or excuse me, Will telling her to get the gun. He tells David that um, she shot herself, David whispering that, um, that it's good. She is in a better place now. Meanwhile, Tommy is hiding in the kitchen as David walks past, and Kira is checking to see how many bullets are left. She whispers that it's empty, but Will tries to use it as a tactic. David is walking up the stairs... Um, uh, Kira pointing the gun at him but Tommy pulls him back down the stairs they are struggling Tommy stabbing David in the heart staring at Tommy with his dying breath kira is is kira and will are still upstairs eden struggling to call for will he goes over to her she tells him that she misses their son so much and that she that she wanted to leave she apologizes while they both sob asking him to take her outside he tries picking her up kira coming to help um, grab her from the feet and cut to them in the out in the backyard eden not being able to finish her last words before dying in the yard this was a little over dramatic for my taste and a little cliche, but whatever.
2: Really, this actually hit pretty well for me, I had to say. Really? Um Yeah, it didn't get me. I was empathizing here because I just thought about that loss of a child, right. right? And then uh being so tormented as a mother that it brought you to this this mental state. And yeah. as you're dying, you're just thinking about how much you miss your son and well, like mm. I to justify that's not
0: the issue I had with this. My issue was okay. picking her up and taking her to the backyard to die in the backyard. Oh really cuz isn't that where her that's, son died? Right. Her son died but that wasn't the location that he died in. Got you got Technically. You. Okay. But okay. it's uh
1: I guess it's know. the symbolism of like I want to be where my son died kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it, it it seemed a little bit off, but at the same time, it's, like, it's supposed to be a moment of connection that they had with their son. And I pretty much put here having this being the toxic relationship month is that she never really let go, even though she said that she did. Her whole point of joining that cult and wanting to die is so she could be reconnected with that person. And it kind of yeah. goes in the whole, I guess, psychology of like, not being able to let go fully of the situation. Mm-hmm. You could still honor the person's memory, but the toxicity is the obsession of not letting go of her son fully and not living her life and continuing on. She'd rather end right. it and be with him than be able to let go and continue her life as normal and kind right. of live with her, uh, live with his memory rather than try to regain it. Mm-hmm. Which
0: makes sense. That yeah. That all makes sense. I just i don't like this scene (laughs)
2: that's fair i just i just think what i thought i just think this scene is just a little much for me when they were picking her up i'm like oh you got your hands all over the body (laughs) evidence all over there
0: yeah i would have definitely been like "Mm, self-defense i guess everywhere i don't know Uh, they get up hugging tommy about miguel as he sobs and uh then he heads back inside the house for them or for for him David notices the red burning lantern him and Kira limping over it over to it and noticing that the whole neighborhood is burning with lanterns. They hold hands as sirens ring throughout the neighborhood. Then credits. So good. Very one BR.
2: Very one BR.
0: Um, or one BR is very, that's true. (laughs) I've
2: I've definitely thought of one BR when I saw that. Um, but going back to what I was saying earlier, like, uh, the context that i made in my head uh because at first i was like oh that's a little silly that's a little typical ending right when it comes to anything cultish is like they're everywhere right um i like to contextualize it with the notion that they're all in that neighborhood up in the hills of la because there's all they all have difficult getting phone service up there and that's, yeah and that's how i created the context around it but that's just right. in my head
1: And I love the context of the conversation they had earlier. It's like, oh, yeah, there's thousands of us, especially in the New York and L.A. sections. And it's just like, that's
0: what I want to touch on.
1: There it is. It's like that. That's exactly it.
0: Because, see, I want to touch on that because when he said that and knowing where uh, David came from and so on and so forth, these are people who are fucking rich. Right. Like mm. these aren't these aren't poor people, and that's what and he even mentions that in the party. He was just like, "Like we're not a cult. We're smart people, like yourself, and we're upper echelon and all this whole other shit." So that is what made me think, like, why they're in the hills because it's mainly rich people doing this shit—rich white people, as well. Would say, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. But it, I I I just find it so fascinating because it, it's it's a very interesting thing. But hmm. but I got some movie facts for us here. Movie, movie facts. facts? The director and the writers had complete creative control of this film as it was nice. independently produced without any involvement from any major studios. Good for them. Yeah, good, good for them. them. They did yeah. a good job then. Zachary Quinto, Luke Wilson, and Topher Grace were at the original cast
1: of in the major roles. Oh, man. It would be kind
2: of That'd cool
0: to see Topher
1: Grace in there. Because you know, cult like uh, Black Klansman, you know. Sure, he played a good crazy leader. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't. I don't. I think probably Zachary Quinto would have been David. That's true too.
1: Oh man, yes, that would be sick.
0: Zachary. I would assume Zachary Quinto would have been David. Luke Wilson probably would have been Will. Yeah. I think Topher Grace would have probably been maybe a side character in there somewhere. I think David. I feel like you can play crazy pretty well. I, I don't know. I feel like Zachary Quinto would definitely. I mean, he that would be better, better. To be than, honest, better yeah. than him. But I agree. I think Topher Grace would have been. I don't know. Besides the point. Uh, in the scene when Will recalls his son's tie's bedroom, a seemingly random assortment of toys scattered the floor, including letter blocks. Actor Logan Marshall Green, who plays Will admits he left an intentional Easter egg in this scene, which uh, it, um, is that he used the blocks to spell out the name Kasama in honor of the film's director, Karen. <laughs>
2: That's oh, cool. pretty cool. Yeah. That is
0: pretty cool. I didn't notice that. I should go back and look at that. Uh, this was Karen Kasama's first film in seven years. Wow. The other film b- before that was Jennifer's Body. Wow. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. Knocked it out of the fucking park. Um, and the last one here... Um, or, let's do two more. All the wine at the party is poured directly from the bottle until the final round, which I also noticed. And I noticed this because my grandmother always said, never take anything that's not capped.
2: Just yes. Yeah, I've always been told never drink anything that is like an open liquid. Exactly. Basically, like, you don't know where it came from. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Uh, um. Which is poured from a decanter. The detail provides a hint to the viewer and to Will that the party has become dangerous. Um, It could be inferred from the wine drinking that the cult is heavily based off of Heaven's Gate cult. Whoop whoop! Fucking nailed it. In which 39 members of the cult committed uh, ritualistic suicide. However, there seems to be potential influence from Charles Manson's cult, which originated in a time renowned for open and free love. Very intriguing. Very, very intriguing indeed. Oh, man, y'all. What a film. I love this movie. I I love this movie so much. I love this movie so much. It's worth
2: the watch for sure. If you haven't seen it before. Definitely.
0: Um, But the next movie we are going to be covering on our toxic relationship month is going to be Swallow, which this movie has a very, very super deep soft spot for me personally. I watched this movie when I was extremely vulnerable um, and... I'm excited to talk to you folks next week about it. But Swallow is going to be our next film. Um, But let us know what you think about the invitation over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod or at goodnightlife, all in the show notes. Um, But yeah, we definitely want to keep this conversation going. I'm very intrigued by all of this because I... I fucking love this movie I don't want to hear your thoughts too um but this was Nightlight a horror movie podcast I was one of your hosts Prince also known as Head Knight and alongside me we had David stay spoopy everyone always and forever also known as Nightly and on the other end
1: there we had Freddie thank you for spending this spoopy time with us
0: yeah thank you also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash not with a what? K? K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free, and it's early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember everybody, don't forget your nightlight.